0: aha ha ha ha
1: yeah what oh. it do Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 737, I think. I have no idea. always lose track after the weekend of Locked on Raptors. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked on Podcast Network. We've got great stuff covering all of the ill-fated returns of all the big pro sports right now. Baseball, basketball, hockey, which is apparently the sport that has it stuff together the most, which is unbelievable. Uh, Either way, you can listen to all those shows, the national shows, the local team shows, and get the latest on all the plans to return to play for all these leagues. As uh, misguided as they may be, they're still happening, which of course leads me into today's podcast as well. I've been trying my best over the last couple of weeks to stop wallowing in the despair of waiting for this tournament to happen, and you know, for, for you know the NBA to return, only to probably be canceled soon after because it's out of control down in Florida. You know, my fear of the Raptors being the first team down in Florida, kind of being the human guinea pigs for this entire operation, it's all uh, it's all very gross. But I'm trying to. Lean into the basketball as well because there will be basketball. And as bad an idea as I think it is, watching the basketball will be fun if and when it does take place. And it's been a very long time since we watched any basketball. It's been over almost four months now, and I kind of forgot or have forgotten about what all these teams have been up to that are kind of in the Raptors' range in the Eastern Conference. And so for the next couple weeks here, I'm going to be checking in with some smart people who cover each of the teams that are in the Eastern Conference uh, to kind of get a, a bit of a refresher on where they're at and where they were before things you know, hit, hit, the, hit the fan as it were and uh, just kind of get an update as we head into the Orlando bubble at the end of the month. And joining me today to talk about our first team on the list, there is no rhyme or reason to the order in which I'm talking about these teams, they're just teams and I'm deciding the order as I go. It is a wonderful writer, one of the very best on NBA internet from Bleacher Report, Miami Heat beat SB Nation NBA Dime Up Rocks, Five Reasons Sports, all over the place. It is Nakias Duncan making his debut on the podcast. Nikaias, how are you, man? I am doing well. Doing even better after that fantastic intro. Hey, man, you you kick ass, and it's my dumb fault for not having you on this podcast sooner. Uh, It's very silly that it took more than 700 episodes to get you on, but glad you're here and glad we can talk about the Miami Heat, which is a team. That was very good this season, obviously. A team that I certainly had some questions about and was maybe not as high on as some people were, especially after, after they made their trades for Andre Iguodala and I think Sullivan Hill was in there and a couple other guys they picked up. At the deadline, uh, just, sorry, uh, Jay Crowder was in that mix as well. And I guess let's start there, Nikais. There, there, obviously, there wasn't a ton of time in between the trade deadline and the pause to kind of get a, a read on how the Heat were, you know, adjusting to life with Igadala and, and Jay Crowder. But what were your sort of impressions in that early stage, you know, those few games that we did get to see as to how it was working? And did you think the Heat were a better, worse, same team as they were before the deadline?
0: I feel like the result has mostly been the same. I think they're mostly the same team, though the process is a little bit different. Um, Miami made that trade primarily to bolster their wing rotation. It gives them a little bit more optionality on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're primarily a drop defense team. And since the trade, they've switched a lot more. And I think that comes from them playing a little bit smaller, having some Dollar and Crowder lineups out there with Bam Adebayo. Um, we haven't seen much of the Crowder, uh, the crowder Dollar butler trio yet. But I think that's gonna be a that's gonna be a playoff thing that we definitely see more of, um, assuming that the shooting holds. Um Jay Crowder has been the surprise of the trade, I feel like, because he has been a three points markman since he's been in Miami. Um, which is a bit odd because he's basically been uh an average shooter throughout his career. He had that one good three-point shooting year in Boston. He's kind of been underwhelming since then. So I'm kinda of waiting on the regression to hit in that mm-hmm. regard. But um he's been good defensively. Andre the has been I would say above average defensively. Definitely can't hang with quicker guards anymore, but he's still still very intelligent, good off-ball, holds his own against um, Wings, which is all you really need him to do. Um, Obviously, haven't seen much from Solomon Hill yet. I'm not sure what the plans are for him. But um, I think Miami got mostly what they were looking for. They wanted some more wing contributions. Um, I'm still not a fan of them giving up Justice Winslow to do it, which kind of leads me into... Well, I think the process is still the same. Miami did um, become a more switch-heavy team defensively, but their issues are at the point of attack, and trading Justice Winslow to get more wing help seems kind of counterproductive.
1: Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Uh, it, it's, a, it, it's a team that sort of – when I've watched the Heat, especially this year and like I guess in recent years as well, like they always kind of seem like they're an incredible defensive team. They always seem like they are just like mean and nasty – Ben in particular has had some really good games against the Raptors. uh, And that, that maybe sort of stands out. And obviously Jimmy Butler is a very good defender too, but yeah, when you kind of dig down more and you look at the point of attack defenders, like you mentioned, you've got Goran Dragic, you've got, you know, Duncan Robinson and Tyler hero on the wings. You've got Kendrick Nunn, who's maybe not, you know, the, the best, guy you would want to throw out there as a one-on-one you know I'm thinking of like as a fan of a team that has Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry in particular Van Vliet like you're not seeing anyone of that sort of ilk on the the, on the Heat's roster and I guess that probably explains why they had to play that drop system a little bit Um, but when you throw in you know Iguodala and and Crowder it does seem like it would lead to a a market improvement just because of the defensive talent on the floor but my issue with the Heat when they made that deal was they still to me seem like a team that, no matter what, they're always going to have some weakness, whether it's on the offensive end or on the defensive end. Like, I'm thinking, again sort of back to like last year's Raptors team where everyone was a good offensive player who could at least shoot a three and make like a, a rudimentary read and everyone was a good defender. You don't have that in a lot of, the, of, of Miami's lineups just because there is a shooting deficiency with a good dollar or Butler there, or there's a bit of a defense, defensive weakness when it comes to a hero or a nun or a Myers Leonard or whatever it might be. Would you say mm-hmm. that's like a fair criticism of the way the Heat are built right now?
0: Yes, and I think, just going back to the trade, I think that's where Justice Winslow was a major wild card because I think he could have been the guy that connected all of it. Um, as mentioned, he's, he's a guy that could guard all three perimeter positions, um, can hang with some forwards as well. On the offensive end, can get to the rim. Um, he's had some finishing issues in the past, but he seemed to be turning a little bit of a corner there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the three-point shooting was the swing skill for him. Um, he was a guy that shot um, high thirties percent from three-point line over the last couple of years and started off the year terribly this year. Which I think also played a role in Miami being willing to give up on him. They obviously didn't trust the shot, among other things. So I think if Justice Winslow could have got up to that thirty-four, thirty-five percent range for three, especially since those were primarily gonna be on spot ups, I think that he would have been the guy that kinda of connected everything. They would have had the defensive range, they would have been able to switch if they wanted to. Justice Winslow's really good at fighting over screen, so they could've continued to play drop if they wanted to do that. Um would have gave them some optionality to go small. But um still I think that that, um, that issue is still there. They, if you put in Goran Dragic, that helps with offensive spacing, um, gives another reliable shot creator alongside Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, but Drogage is also the worst defender on the roster. Um, Kendrick Nunn has some three-level scoring potential, but he's bad at the point of attack.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's – sorry, carry on there. I, didn't mean to try, I was remember. just going to
0: say, um, even with Miami going small, which is a, a thing I anticipate when they hit the playoffs, I think we're going to see some Butler, Igodala. Um, Crowder and BAM lineups, you're going to need at least three of those guys to shoot. Um, there's nowhere to go but up for Jimmy Butler this year. Um, his jumper, it's <laughs> ever been, which is amazing because he's still been probably a top 12 player in the league this year despite the jumper. So, I mean, you hope for some positive regression there. But um you're going to have to hope for Crowder to stay high for Iguodal to kind of find his form at least in the corners. And if BAM show some more willingness to take mid-range jumpers. um, I think that's going to be enough, but it's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, definitely. We'll take a look at what the Heat are going to look like once we get into the Orlando playoff situation in just a second and kind of where they stand. But first, I want to tell people about rockauto.com, which for a car dummy like me is just a wonderful site to go to to get auto parts that you need without getting you know, worked by the people who work at the mechanic shop who are going to upcharge you and charge you way more than you have to pay. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they've got everything you could possibly need from engine control modules brake parts tail lamps motor oil fuel pump assemblies pretty much anything that is in a car is available on the rockauto.com catalog whether it's for your classic that you're fixing up or for your daily driver and you're a car dummy like me who just uses your car to get from point a to point b everything you need is in a few easy clicks available and delivered directly to your door The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly, see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, all prices on rockauto.com are reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? That's silly. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us Box so they know we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto com all right Nikaios. so just to sort of refresh where the heat are going into the miami or the orlando bubble they currently sit seventh in the nba in offense kind of in a, a slew of teams between like three and uh i don't know like 14 all within like one or two points of each other so not a ton of distinction there on defense as you mentioned off the top they are in 14th as of right now points allowed per 100 possessions. And it hasn't been a ton better since the pause either, or sorry, since the trade deadline either, where they are kind of middle of the pack in both offense and defense and kind of unmoving in defense. they dropped just one spot to 15, 14 in offense. And that's sort of where they sit going into here. Do you think there's going to be much in the way of like appreciable change with the way the rotation is looking, with the way Eric Spolstra runs out the roster as we go into this postseason here, Nikias? I mean, I feel like every coach has probably spent the last four months just like stewing on ways to better use their team. And so I'm curious, Eric Spolster's a very smart guy. I wonder if maybe some time to sit with the results of that first month or so Will be useful as they go into this thing as the number four seed right now in the Eastern Conference, pretty comfortably. I, I think going to be the four seed. You know the Pacers and Sixers will fight it out, but there's a two-game lead for Miami over the Pacers, who do not have Victor Oladipo, and I think are likely to be that six seed. The Sixers have a pretty easy schedule, but that's still you know making up more than two games in eight games is going to be tough for any team. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming the fourth seed is going to be where it is, Nikaias. Again, like I said, do you see much in the way of change from the way the team played before to what they will look like once they get to Orlando?
0: Um, I'm not sure there's going to be a drastic shift in how they play. Um, I do think we're going to see some rotation changes. Um, One of the, I guess, under-discussed plots of Miami making the trades is that they did so while also being without Myers Litter, and Tyler Hero. Mm -hmm. who represents two of their best four shooters in the rotation. Um, Myers Leonard is a part of Miami's was a part of Miami starting lineup that was plus 13.4 points per possession, per 100 possessions, in um, a lot of minutes. Um, was easily one of the best starting lineups in the league. Um, Myers Leonard obviously isn't a household name by any means, but he stretches the floor, and he protects the rim well enough to where you have um, to where Miami can end possessions and get back out on the other end. Um, obviously, Bam Adebayo is the guy to kind of clean up a lot of the mess as a weak side defender. But um, Myers Leonard held things down. He had good um, chemistry in the pick and roll with Jimmy Butler, with Kendrick Nunn. Whenever they were running, so it's going to be interesting to see what Eric Spoelstra does with the front court specifically, mm-hmm. because Myers Leonard was a pretty big part of what of their best lineup, and he's been out for about a month. He's been out for more than a month now with the pandemic, mm-hmm. but uh, he's he's healthy and ready to go now. So that's going to be the biggest change I think Miami makes.
1: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Myers Leonard sneaky, like pretty good this year, which is uh, not something I expected when that deal went down, but uh, good for him. Nice. I mean the heat, seem to like make all these guys like passable as nba players which is exhausting but i guess you know similar <laughs> thing that the raptors end up doing a lot of the time as well um so looking at the the standings and how they shake out right now like i said the four seed seems pretty likely they're two and a half games back of boston right now boston has i believe the second or third easiest schedule in the nba and i think mm. it's more likely that they perhaps track down the raptors for two than they do fall back to four although they don't think much movement in that one, two, three, four is likely anyway. Then you look below Miami, and you have obviously the Pacers who, like I said, without Victor Oladipo, probably pretty depleted. We don't know if Malcolm Brogdon's going to play. I know he tested positive like last week, so I guess we'll see uh, on that front. And then the 76ers loom in the sixth seed. I don't think I need to ask you the question, who who do you think Heat fans would rather play between the Pacers or the 76ers? So I'll just ask you, when the 4-5 Heat Sixers series inevitably begins in mid-August down in Orlando with Jimmy Butler playing his old team, in what will be surely a very fun series, probably even a more fun series than that super crazy series the Heat and Sixers played back a couple of years ago that went five games, but was super entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. How does that matchup go? Are Heat fans uh, worried about that potential Sixers moving up to the five? That seems like something that everyone wants to kind of avoid right now. I know the Raptors and Celtics certainly don't run any part of Philly in the first round either, I would assume, um, just mm-hmm. because they're weird and like kind of a wild-card, super-talented team that no one wants to touch. How does that Heat-Sixers matchup play out in your mind?
0: Um, I would probably give – ooh, I like I was going to get yelled at. I would probably <laughs> give Philly a slight edge if they're healthy. You know, Miami really jumped things up in the regular season matchup with a bunch of zone. Philly mm-hmm. um, really did start figuring out some things towards the end of the second matchup, I want to say, but still, um, still lost that game. Um, Philly's size still looms a little bit large if they're healthy and wearing to go. Miami doesn't have a real answer for Joel Embiid. Um, Bam is the best defender there, but you don't want him getting in foul trouble, and if there's anything Joel Embiid can do, he can get your bigs in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. So they kind of want to shift away from that matchup, but myers never can't defend Joel Embiid. <laughs> and Philly doesn't have great shooters, but you can't just leave NBA players wide open. So I I do think Philly still poses a pretty big matchup issue. And while Miami has been the NBA's best three-point shooting team, all it takes is a cold two-game stretch. Mm-hmm. And they do have some high-variance guys like a Kendrick Nunn. So I, that matchup definitely concerns me. I think Miami's definitely hoping that Indiana can hold serve somehow.
1: Yeah, that seems uh, a little bit terrifying. If I'm Miami, I mean, any like, I'm a Raptors fan. I'm terrified of the Sixers too, even though like they're easy to make fun of. I still have like Joel Embiid being a plus ten thousand in that series last year <laughs> in my head, that and it really scares me because like, like they could, in theory, figure it out, and their half court defense. You know, regardless of what you think of their offense, their half court defense is absurd. And I mm-hmm. frankly would enjoy watching the Heat and Sixers score 65 points on one another uh, <laughs> over the course of an entire series. That would be very fun. Uh, but yeah, I think I'd probably lean Sixers there a little bit too, just based on. And be you know, just sort of a slight talent edge. Although, yeah, that zone stuff. I mean, the the Heat ran that zone against the Raptors too at one point this season, and it was Mm -hmm. probably the Raptors' worst game of the season in terms of just offensive performance. I mean, they were awful. I think they hit something like a or had something like a record for missed threes. If I'm, I'm yeah. Although that seems like a year ago by now. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like the the Heat can junk it up for sure, as you mentioned. Um, They're scheduled, by the way they play the the nuggets to open things up on August 1st and they get the raptors they get the uh, oh I didn't realize they play the Raptors I should probably have remembered that Uh, they have the Celtics (laughs) and heat on the fourth the Bucks on the sixth the Suns on the eighth the Pacers on the 10th the Thunder on the 12th and the Pacers again on the 14th so kind of middling I mean those Pacers games probably a little bit easier than they would have been uh, you know in the regular season the Suns obviously are the team that everyone I'm assuming is expecting to beat while they're there Um, Mm -hmm. and then you have you know again I have no idea how to handicap any of this the Bucks could be playing for nothing at this point and you maybe want to hide some stuff for for a potential second round matchup with Miami so maybe they don't play anybody on the 6th of August in their game so it's hard to handicap but that is the schedule as it currently sits for the Miami Heat. Nikias uh, let's uh you know what are your general feelings on this this Heat team like can they surprise do you think you know as much as the Sixers loom like I think that's a you know not a series that either team wins 100% of the time there's certainly a potential for mm-hmm. them to move deeper and get into a second round series um, do you think it's like a pretty quick you know ouster if they come up against the Bucs? i know they beat them at one point in the regular season or maybe twice in the regular season this year but uh, they do feel like they're probably a little bit outgun talent wise against milwaukee but i don't know what do you like view this team's chances of making like a legitimately deep run to say a conference finals are in the eastern conference
0: um, I think that's mostly going to depend on. Well, oddly enough, I think it's mostly going to depend on who they get in the first round. Right. But if they get Philly, um, even if they beat the Sixers in that series, which they can't do, it's going to take a lot out of them. And if you have to worry about banging with Joel Embiid for six games, and then you right. get Giannis next round, I mean, there's there's only so much you can you can deal with. But um, as you mentioned, Miami has had success against Milwaukee this year. Milwaukee did not beat Miami this season. Um, you know, you always take regular season matchups with a grain of salt. But um, Miami has guys in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo that can credibly bother Giannis, at the very least. Um, I do think – I think that series goes six or seven games regardless. Mm -hmm. That might be a little bit of a hot take, but I think Miami matches up with Milwaukee pretty well. Milwaukee, just like Miami, allows a lot of threes. So just like Miami could possibly go cold, they have been the best shooting team in the NBA this year. So if they they drain a bunch of threes against Milwaukee's drop scheme, and if they – drop Giannis down from 30 points per game to like 27, slight drop. But I mean, those are those are the kind of margins that Miami Heat can win. Mm-hmm. So it, I think the ceiling for the Heat is an Eastern Conference um, Finals berth. I do think they can – I think that's a possibility for them. More likely, I think they're second round out.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see them in the second round. I mean, as much as the Sixers are like kooky and weird, um, you know, I think a Heat-Bucks matchup would be – pretty compelling just as compelling as a buck 76ers matchup would be um you know the, the heat don't carry with them the sort of inherent drama that Philly does but Jimmy Butler is kind of drama on his own <laughs> it's you know, he's just like he's a maniac what's been the Jimmy Butler experience this year he, I, I feel like he's the kind of guy who you just truly detest unless he's on your team in which case you love him dearly um what's been the the first year of jimmy because it seems like a perfect marriage really between player and franchise you know considering like the 3 a.m wake up time for workouts and (laughs) stuff like that that seems like pat riley shit all over the place but um like have you enjoyed the jimmy experience is there like confidence in among heat fans that he can kind of be the best player on a team that does some damage or is it more of a hey here's piece number one hopefully we can get something to pair with him in Mm -hmm. the coming years and you know there's like i think sort of tempered expectations maybe of what jimmy can do as the number one
0: um i think it's more of the latter but it's definitely both um the heat fans love jimmy the heat love jimmy um to answer your initial question, it's been, it's been very quiet, which I think is, is the good thing considering what Jimmy, um, the storylines lasts to pop up with Jimmy in Chicago and mostly in Minnesota. mm mm-hmm. Jimmy's basically been a godsend for the franchise. The young guys love him. The veterans respect him. Myers Leonard is probably Jimmy Butler's biggest fan. Um, mm-hmm. Exposier obviously loves him. Pat Riley loves him. Um, it seems like he has, he has fit in like a glove and it's just been the least, the most predictable thing ever. He's been a great fit. Um, but as for the second part of your question, if you go if you go into Heat Twitter, which beware, <laughs> um, you would probably think Bradley Beal is already a member of the team. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, a lot. Obviously, Giannis is the pipe dream, but I think um, everyone's kind of waiting on the other shoe to drop. If it's not mm-hmm. Bradley Beal, it might be Victor Oladipo if he's healthy. I think that the Heat are definitely clamoring for another perimeter guy to pair with Jimmy Butler, and those two seem like the most the most likely bets. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, he fans do understand that while Jimmy Butler is really good, they do know that there's a bit of a ceiling on this team and that getting Jimmy Butler was step one. Right. Um, Bam out of bio turning into a legitimate all-star is probably step 1.5. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure anyone expected him to get this good this quickly. So I think that kind of accelerates things a little bit. But I think the next step is getting that second um, star creator.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would make them horrifying because Jimmy, like we saw last year in the playoffs, how good he was as sort of a secondary. And I mean, he kind of became the primary ball handler for the Sixers in that series because Ben Simmons could only stand in the dunker spot if he wanted to be effective. Um, And, you know, Embiid was kind of out of it a little bit, too. And Butler just kind of carried it. And he was... Uh, I can tell you there was a lot of fright involved in watching Jimmy Butler against the Raptors last season. And it was uh, a pleasant relief when it was no longer him. And it was like Eric Bledsoe across from the Raptors (laughs) in the backcourt. I I could also imagine Jimmy Butler getting into Eric Bledsoe's head quite a bit. If they do play in a playoff series, that's something to keep in mind here. Lots of trash talk, lots of, uh, you know, allusions to Eric Bledsoe helping the Raptors win a championship last season, all that good (laughs) stuff. It'd be beautiful. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the the heat scared me for sure. As a, as a again, a fan of a team that has designs on pursuing Giannis, the Heat are, you know, always in that conversation as well. And you'd never want to bet against Pat Riley. And they uh they got a good crew there, man. Like Bam out of bio is freaking awesome. And if he has if he like establishes any sort of range, he becomes like very quickly one of like the two or three best bigs in the league, probably, because he's that good defensively. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty terrifying. But I- I'm glad it seems as though the Raptors and Heat will be avoiding each other in their respective brackets, barring some sort of collapse by the Celtics uh, against their kind of easy schedule. Maybe the Celtics come across a bunch of desperate-ass teams, and then they lose a bunch of games because the Grizzlies and the Pelicans and all these teams near the bottom are really trying to get in. Maybe that's what takes place. But um, I think it's most likely we see heat in the fourth seed with the Sixers in the five, and that will be a freaking blast, and I can't wait to watch it um any last shot last shots here on the heat i mean the heat (laughs) i'm imagining are the team that you know this whole argument of the bubble is safer for for these players than like the general population i think that's true of the heat and magic and probably no other team um (laughs) but like i don't know any parting shots here before we uh we wrap up here on the heat and their sort of chances within the east
0: um i would just like to say that um I don't see how anyone expected Duncan Robinson to turn into Steph Curry this year. I think that's been a very, <laughs> that's been a very fun storyline to follow. But um, overall, I think the Heat have already kind of overachieved this year. Right. Um, obviously, like a first-round exit or even a quick second-round exit would be disappointing to watch. But um, this was this was supposed to be step one in getting back to kind of like the big three glory. Maybe not that specifically, but just trying to build a championship team. Getting Jimmy Butler was the first step. Um, a lot of projections had Miami as a four, as a low-40s win team. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they were going to eclipse that rather easily. So I think uh, it's it's easy to be proud of what the Heat have done this year. Uh, a lot of guys have come out of nowhere. Kendrick Nunn has come out of nowhere. Duncan Robinson has come out of nowhere. Dan Matabayo took a capital L leap instead of a lowercase L leap with Hassan Whiteside out of the way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like it, It's just been a fun year. I think it's been... If not Eric Spolstra's best coaching job, it's definitely been one of his top two or three, just the way he's put kind of put a bunch of players in positions to succeed. Um, it's been a fun team to watch.
1: Yeah. As much as I on this podcast have called the Miami Heat, the team in the NBA with the most guys who look like problematic YouTubers, <laughs> uh, I find them to be uh, very easy to respect as a general sort of operation. And Eric Spolstra's great. And I, this is, Definitely my like favorite version of Jimmy Butler. I've never been a terribly huge fan, but that probably has something to do with the fact that he would cook the Raptors every time he would play them, uh, uh-huh. no matter what team he played for. So uh, maybe that's part of the bias there. Uh, either way, this was great. And uh, it was awesome chatting with you, man. I'm so happy we get you on the podcast. Where can people check out your work?
0: Um, they can find me at Bleacher Report, um, SB Nation, uh, Five Reasons Sports. That's where you can find most of my heat work. And, um, but in general, just follow me on Twitter, Nikaias NBA. I'll be tweeting a bunch of basketball stuff and a bunch of puns.
1: Yeah, one of the uh, smartest and most fun guys on uh, NBA Twitter. So please follow Nikaias right now if you have not already done so. That is going to do it for today's podcast. Big thanks to Nikai's for coming on. You can also find me at Woodley Sean, subscribe to rate review this podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's very much appreciated when you take the time to do that. Uh, Also, please check out all the lockdown podcast network offerings we have up for you. You can also check out my other podcast with myself and Katie Heindel at uh, a basketball on Twitter with two H's. I almost said that very strangely uh, because I'm tongue tied either way, a basketball on Twitter, on uh, Apple, Spotify, all the places you get your podcasts as well. We also have a Patreon page called patreon.com slash uh, basketball with two H's. If you would like to chip us four bucks and be part of our Patreon community, we're getting closer to doing bonus episodes over there as well. So thank you for that. If you have done that already and thanks for that in the future in, in advance, if you've are, if you're planning on doing that down the line, And that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll check back in later in the week with some more previews of the teams across the Eastern Conference as well. Katie's going to stop by once again as we'll do another edition of Retiring Every Raptor probably near the end of the week. So just keep an eye out for that. And uh, we will talk to you again uh, probably Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't know when it's going to be. Sometime this week with another episode of Locked on Raptors.